spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. How's it going? Matt Miguez here, and welcome to the first ever true episode of Ragin' Review. There's a lot to talk about. Obviously, you know, with our with our hiatus, we're, we're a little behind on everything, but we're back. We're ready to go. We have a lot to talk about. Like I said, Jerry Abear's here with me. Jerry, what's up, man? Oh, doing well. Doing well. Um, like we mentioned the other night, it's it's great to great to be back after a little bit of a hiatus, but it's nice to to rebrand and sort of get a a new look on things and very excited to talk about what's going on in 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 uh in the world of raging cajun sports and lots going on a lot's happened uh these past few weeks so i think we've got some catching up to do yeah you know um obviously we're, we're recording here on tuesday morning a, a lot of disappointment last night with the men's basketball team we'll get into that later women's basketball hosting their first conference tournament game tonight. We'll get into that as well. Baseball's in Lake Charles. Um, we'll, we'll break that down momentarily. We want to recap baseball right now. You know, like like we said, it's been a while since we've talked. You know, the, the season started off kind of rough. You know, the, the first weekend at home, we were swept by Southeastern and then Louisiana Tech. We jumped out to a, what was it? A It was 0-4 start, right? Oh and three. Oh and three. And then, you know, we, we won a game and then we lost a few more. But you could always tell that Matt Deggs and company kind of were starting to figure it out even in some of those losses. Especially in that Virginia Tech series. And yeah. then and then, you know, you, you get some close games with Northwestern and Sam Houston. And right there on that Saturday game with Sam Houston is when things finally started to go in the right direction for Louisiana. And since then, they've kind of been on a roll. Yeah, I, I think those first – the first three games, I mean, it's almost like they you get a pass. Um, and I don't say that very often with anything. But in this particular case, with the circumstances, with the just the honoring of Coach Robichaud and, and, and just talking about all of the great things that he accomplished and just, just dedicating that weekend to Tony Robichaud, like, directly – um, I mean, it, it took a toll on me as a fan. I'm sure it took a toll on you. It took a toll on the entire fan base. But just imagine what type of toll it must have taken on the on the team. I mean, his right. his, his his. I mean, it was his team, his players, and so I can only imagine what they must have experienced. Not only having to deal with that, but then having to go out and compete and play. I'm sure mentally they they weren't 100 percent there, and it showed a little bit. Um, you know, especially in the game against Louisiana Tech, the second game against Louisiana Tech, when when they got shut out 10-0, it, it just showed that they were, you could tell they were mentally drained for the weekend. And yeah. um, 
you know, Phil Devey told us uh, weeks ago when we interviewed with him, he said, you know, after the first weekend, when, you, you know, you dedicate the entire weekend to Coach Robe, or really you dedicate the entire season to Coach Robe, but at the same time, there comes a point where that team, they need their season back. And right. I think we got to see that against Southeastern the following few days where they went on the road, took care of business, uh, gave Coach Matt Deggs his first win as a Cajun head coach. Um, but also, you know, even with that, there were struggles at the plate. Uh, you know, Coach Coach Deggs still trying to work his his pitching rotation a little bit. And um, but against against Virginia Tech, um, I mean, you know, Connor Angel pitched a gem of a game. Jacob Schultz came in, did a fantastic job uh, relieving, and the Cajuns were able to string a few hits together, take advantage of some Virginia Tech errors, and, and able to get a 2-0, 2 nothing win uh, in the first game. And, of course, the second game, um, the Cajuns struggled a little bit, but then made a, a small comeback, but then couldn't score the guy from third with no outs in the bottom of the ninth. So, I mean, that's that, that game, that, or that Saturday game against Virginia Tech was winnable. At the same time, um, it just it was one of those situations where, um, you know, they 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 just they just couldn't string it together and still were trying to find their identity. And of course, they lost the series, but didn't take away the fact that they were very competitive. And and I forgot to mention even before that, uh, after the Southeastern game, uh, Tulane came to town and they jumped to an eight eight nothing lead. Brock Batty didn't have his best night on the mound, but um, you know the Cajuns, you know the bats still still grinded and still fought back. And uh, actually made it a game to where, even though they lost nine to six, it, it just showed everybody that the team has grit and they don't quit, even with their shortcomings. Right. But um, it's nice to see how they responded, um, you know, against Sam Houston. I mean, in that series, to me, that sort of so far has been a little bit of a small turning point with this team. They're able to find their identity. I think that win against um, Sam Houston on Sunday, where they were down four to one. You know, uh, bases loaded. I think it was in the fifth or sixth inning. Bases were loaded, two outs. And uh, on a two-strike count, Gavin Bourgeois comes up and hits one to left field, right in the, uh, right in, right in the gap, and where the, their left fielder misplayed it a little bit. And they were able to, the Cajuns were able to bring in two runs, or three runs on that, on that hit. And you just, since then, uh, you know, not only did they wind up winning that game and winning the series, but you saw a team that, since then, they've won five out of six. Yeah, and since that Saturday, they're five and one. They're five and one, and you know the Sanford loss. Hey, it happens. Uh, hopefully, yeah, I mean, that you, doesn't you heard, happen more. <laughs> but you, you heard you heard Matt Degg say yesterday that they just they flat out just they came out flat. They just didn't play well. And Sanford's a good program. So when you when you come out flat against a program like that that knows how to take advantage of that, sure. I mean that's what's going to happen. Sure. And, 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 and yeah, exactly. And, and not to mention Sanford's a good baseball team. Uh, their record shows it right now. I think they're like 11 and three or 12 and two or something like that. Yeah. Um, they're off to a great start. They're off to a fantastic start. And, and then, um, you know, when you really think about it, even going back to the Sam Houston series um, before that Saturday and Sunday game, I mean, really they should have swept the Cajun should have swept. Um, yep. That Friday night game, you're up 4-0. And I think it was like in the sixth inning or fifth. No, it was like the fourth or fifth inning. Uh, you got two guys. Uh, Sam Houston has two men on base with two outs, and the Cajuns give up a hit and give up like an error. And before you know it, they get a four-run rally on two outs and end up losing the game. And after that game, I think the team was 2-8 and eight 
that night. And I remember telling Kayla in the car, like, man, can we, can we catch a break? You know, we've had so many chances to really turn this thing around and we just find ways to just, and not necessarily say that we find ways to lose, but just things don't go our way. And I know that's baseball. I get it. Um, it doesn't take the, take away the fact that it's still frustrating as a fan. But since then, since that game on Friday night against Sam Houston, where the, the game pretty much slipped away, uh, like you said, they've, they've, they've won five out of six. Yep. Um, and, you know, you went from a two and eight record. Now you're sitting at seven and nine with a chance to uh, not only take care of business this week, but also have a chance to really start making a decent run because the good news for, for, for us is that going into this weekend, yeah, Coastal's a good team. I mean, that's going to be a showdown, but they're catching Coastal at a good time. Yeah, um, you know, absolutely. coach, coach Matt Deggs has done a, a great job rotating his, his lineup. Uh, there's a lot of guys playing. There's a lot of guys getting their chances. Um, and he's really, I mean, he really hasn't found a consistent lineup yet still. No, the lineup's constantly changing. Oh, it's changing like crazy. And it's good because you're, you're giving guys experience and yeah, you're giving sure. guys different chances. Um, some have stepped up a little more than others, but, you know, as a whole, you're starting to see this lineup gel. I mean, Ben Fitzgerald getting that home run the other day against Michigan State was huge because we all knew he had power to his swing coming in from, from Juco. Same thing with Nick Hagedorn. Nick Hagedorn couldn't get a hit his first few weeks. Now he's he's getting on base. Yeah, um, Brennan Bro's playing. Brennan Bro is on fire right now. Uh, Sebastian Toro has become an yep. anchor for that team. Uh, Jonathan Wyndham, also, he can play different positions. He's also gotten a few hits here and there. Tremaine Spears, some games he starts, some games he doesn't, but he's tearing the ball up. Uh, Connor Kimple got a few hits. Yep. So you got a bunch of guys that are really, especially a bunch of newer guys that are that are creating a presence at the plate. Now, I know there's a lot of concern about Hayden Cantrell. Um, he's off to a little bit of a slower start than most people would imagine. But, but, but keep keep in mind, he did this last year. He did. And 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 we know the type of athlete he is. We know the type of player and the abilities that he has. Um I'm and not he finished and he finished a 320 hitter with 10 home runs. Exactly. So I'm not worried as much about if he's going to turn it on. It's more of a question it's of when. More when. I hope the sooner I mean the sooner the better, but uh yeah, he's he's done a I mean he he still can feel pretty well. So like um, like coach like coach Deggs loves to say, Friday starts a new season. Mhm. Conference is a whole new season. Well, I think right now what we've seen is a team that is, has clawed their way back to being competitive. Yep. Absolutely. And we, we're, I think, going – we play McNeese this week. Um, yep. Tonight, and, actually. Yeah, yeah, tonight. And, and getting that win in Lake Charles would be huge because now you win this game. That means you'd be six – you'd win six out of seven, and you're eight and nine. You're right under 500 going into yep. the showdown with Coastal, who is not only a great team, but – I mean, they're sort of that standard of of the conference, no, along with see, our team in South Al as well. You, you you talk about Coastal. I want to ask you something. Um, I heard Stevie P ask this to Coach Deggs yesterday, and I think it's a great question. I think it's a great topic to talk about. You know, go back just a few years ago, Coastal Carolina won the national championship. Yeah. So a team like that coming into Lafayette, 
I mean, I know it's a conference opponent and, and, you know, we're on the same level as them, but does that kind of create an extra little buzz in the air? Because you've got a because you have a former national champion coming to Lafayette? No, without a doubt. And not only does it create a buzz, but the, the way the Cajuns have been playing, it, it, it makes it, I mean, I'm excited about this weekend. I'll be there. Um, and you're, I think you're starting to see the potential of what this team has put out um, or what this team is capable of putting out as of the past two weeks. And so, like I said before, I think we're catching them at the right time. Um, we have still a ton of baseball to play, but this is one of those opportunities where if this team could go in there and take take the series, which they did last year and the year before against Coastal, mm-hmm. then you know you build a lot of confidence in these guys, and now you're ready to go on a, on a run. You're ready to go on a tear. Um, the good news is I don't think the schedule is going to be much more difficult as time goes on. Um, you know, you've got – you still got your midweeks. You still got, you still have South Al, um, but there's really no team in conference right now that I can say, "Oh my gosh, they scare me." <laughs> uh, right, so right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see this this team continue to develop, and it's been fun. I mean, I know, I know it's been frustrating at times for the fans. I know this this brand of baseball is not what we're used to as far as still under the 500 record, but this team is getting better. They're still learning and I'm excited to see some of these guys develop. And also uh, I love the fact that coach Deggs, he is not afraid to, like you said, to move his lineup around. I mean, just the pitching rotation this weekend, um, you know, Zach Young's going to go Friday night. I mean, Zach Young's been pitching like a stud. Then he decided to move Connor cook to the Saturday start. And then from there Sunday, it's pretty much all hands on deck. I like that. I like that because he's given the ball to players that, you know, he sees guys that want to compete. Um, I think right now um, it's, it's interesting that, you know, as much as he's playing with this roster and as much as he's experimenting with it, because I think eventually once they start to find that consistency and once they find that, that, that consistent lineup, this team's going to be dangerous. Yeah, you know, you, you, t- you talked about the new weekend rotation. That actually leads me to my next question. How important has Brandon Young been to this baseball program this season? Well, we knew coming in he was going to be good. I mean, even last year when he signed, um, there was a lot of hype about him. But, man, the way he responded the other day. I mean, well, first of all, that one nothing gym he pitched against Sam Houston was outstanding. Then <laughs> he comes in against Michigan State. You know, uh, Michigan State scores three runs early on. And then he pitches like, what, five or six scoreless innings after that? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's that throwdown that Coach Robichaud always talked about. Um, and, and that definitely has it. Uh, and now, because of that, he's earned his chance at a Friday night start. And he, he really has earned it. Um, I feel really good about him right now. And I think Connor Angel, uh, he's going to come around. I know he's, yeah, he's, 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 his, 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 his play has been a little bit off, but he's still got a ton of potential. He's still a great pitcher. There's nothing to take away from that. Um, he's still very valuable to this rotation. But I just think you play the, I think Zach Young's the hot hand right now. And the consistency, the way he's responded, 
is is the epitome of a grinder. Uh, kind of like we saw with someone like a Gunnar Leger, you know, um, doesn't let anything face him, doesn't get, doesn't panic, and he's shown it so far. So, well done to Zach earning that Friday night start. But now we now we try to run with it and see what happens. Yeah, you know, I, I and then the, the last question I want to ask about baseball before we transition into softball is with the tougher non-conference schedule. That, that we've played this year compared to years past, you know, with teams like Virginia Tech and Rice and Michigan State. What what does that do if you pair that with a solid season in conference in terms of the RPI come the postseason? Yeah, and by the way, I, did I just did I call did I just call BY Zach? Yeah, it is Brandon Young. Totally my mistake, guys. I'm sorry. I get names confused sometimes, so I'll call I'll call myself out here. Um don't want to be unprofessional about it. I, it just kind of hit me out of nowhere when I said that. I'm like, why do I keep saying Zach? Um, I'm trying to think if there's Zach Young I know. I don't know. I think Anyways. we had a Zach Young a couple years ago. My mistake. My mistake, everybody. Sorry about that. No, BY. BY. That's how, yeah, Brandon Young. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, no, Brandon Young. I mean, Brandon's done a fantastic job. But anyway, um, moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, you were asking about beating Rice. And I'm sorry, what was your question again? With, with the tougher non-conference that we've played, you know, with Rice, Virginia Tech, Sam Houston, Michigan State, you pair that with a solid season in non-conference, I mean, in solid season in conference, how does that help you in terms of RPI going into the postseason? Gives you a better shot in an at-large if you perform well enough to go to a regional. Um, I mean, softball right now, and we'll talk about this later on, they're definitely – it's paying dividends for them. For their yeah. model of yeah, playing hard non-conference, um, paying, paying nice dividends to say the least. It's big, and and, and not to mention uh, these guys, a team that's still trying to develop, a team that's still trying to to grow. Uh, I mean, the, yeah, it's big. Um, I mean, the, you 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 go on the road to Rice, and and look, I know Rice isn't the normal Rice we're used to seeing, but you still went to their house and pretty much beat them pretty handily. Uh, and from a mental standpoint, I mean, you still went to Rice and you and you beat them bad, and that's that builds confidence. Uh, playing a Michigan State team, you're down three runs. Uh, this is coming off a day where where basically Sanford just controlled and dominated you in the entire game, and you go respond being down three runs, and you end up winning six three, and doing it with clutch and timely hitting, uh, doing it with a little bit of small ball, doing it with good defense, doing it with good pitching. Kudos to, to BY, to Brandon Young. Again, Brandon, sorry. If you're listening, sorry about botching your name, my friend. Um, but, yeah, I know. I, I know. Uh, anyway, but, I mean, it's, it's big. It's huge. And, and moving forward, you build confidence. And like I said, the schedule, I don't see the schedule getting that much more difficult. Uh, I still think you're going to have some challenges along the way. But this is huge um, a learning and a big learning curve. So, yeah, it's big. And like I said, I mean, softball, they're paying dividends because of that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a bit, it's, it's, it's really big. It's nice. It's nice to see the team build, you know, gaining confidence and, um, you know, hopefully they can, like you said, complement that with a, with a good conference record. Yeah. Tonight, baseball traveling to Lake Charles to take on McNeese at Joe Miller ballpark at six o'clock and classy act by McNeese tonight. They're naming the bullpen after head coach, Tony Robichaux. Cause you know, I, I found this super interesting 
This is going to be the first McNeese UL game since 1981 that Tony Robichaux has not been on the bench. Wow. What a, what a great gesture by McNeese. Um, as a fan, I just want to say thanks for doing that. That's so cool. Um, you know, every time I, I, I've had the chance to go to a few of the UL McNeese baseball games in Lake Charles, I, that's kind of one of the games I like to like to make a drive and go to. Um, yeah, they've always have put forth effort in honoring Coach Robe. Um, when he got his thousandth, thousandth win, they honored him. Um, there've been a few times where they've, they've done like, you know, little pregame ceremonies to, to, to remember his successes. And so for them to do that and, um, I mean, name a bullpen after him. I mean, that's, that's so cool. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, even though he hasn't coached there, you know, he didn't coach there for almost 30 years. I mean, that was what, 25, 30 years ago, you know, the fact that they still remember him in many ways and do things and gestures like they're doing tonight really goes to show you the impact not only did he have at UL, but also at McNeese as well. Um, you know, in many ways, he kind of kick-started that program too. Uh, he talked about times where – and I remember asking Austin whenever we interviewed him about how, you know, he and Miss Colleen would go to the stadium and do a lot of maintenance work at McNeese. I mean, that stadium that's there now, it's a nice little stadium, but uh, Coach Robichaud put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in that place, you know, fixing it up, trying to give it a good – presentation if you will for the fans even back in the 80s so you put a lot of time into that program and and uh, it's it's so great to see them you know even though he hasn't coached there he didn't coach there for 25 26 years that they still remember him and that's really 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 cool yeah absolutely let's transition to softball now jerry uh you know louisiana was was preseason you know one of the favorites in the entire country to uh to really make some noise this season. And they came out hot in the Louisiana Classic. You know, they beat Ball State 3-2. to two. They run-ruled UTSA 8-0. They kind of let one slip away on that first Saturday against North Texas. Um, they, they lost a close one 2-1. to one. And, I, you know, everybody kind of lost their head after that one. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, North Texas, and we've just been so dominant for years. I mean, we only lost four games last year. So to to lose one so early was kind of off-putting for the fans. But, you know, they regrouped, beat UTSA again, 11-1 to in five innings. And then they handled – they went on a little win streak there for a bit. They handled Lamar, North Dakota, Sanford, and LSU before going to Baton Rouge and dropping a close one, 4-3. to So now you're sitting there – let me count – 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 2 going to Birmingham – in the in the UAB Blazer Classic, they played five games in the Classic, two of them against Oklahoma State, two against Ole Miss, and then one against UAB. Yeah. They came they came out of that weekend four and one. Sure, and their one loss was by a run. Sure, and this not to team, mention, I mean, everybody was panicking after the North Texas loss, but. Also, too, I mean, going into the season, we and we've talked about this. They have, I mean, they have probably one of the not the, the hardest non-conference schedules in the country, if not the hardest no, non-conference hard. schedules in the country. You know, because if you trade, don't get me wrong, I would I would always trade a loss for a win against a North Texas or Coastal. But then, on the flip side, 
uh, as of today, they have five wins against top 10 teams. Yeah. So they split, they split a series with number three, Texas. They took two out of three against number six, Florida. On the road, by the way. On the road. Both of them on the road. Both both down. Both games they won, they were down four four runs. You let a conference game slip away against Coastal, but, I mean, that happens. Sure. It's going to happen. No team. The, the fact that we went undefeated in conference last year is an anomaly. It just doesn't, no matter how poor your conference is, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's, I think that's the thing with the fans is that anytime you have hype going into the season, when people are mentioning, you know, the magic words, you know, national championship, when you hear about how great your team's going to be, the expectations by default are just going to go up and, and, and you're going to say things or you're going to expect things to just magically happen. And, you know, with this team, it, it took them a few games to really get the bats going. Um, it took them a few games to really start to gel. But at the same time, um, you know, you, one thing I've learned in diamond sports, you're not going to just come out hit in, and score 20 runs in the first game. It's going right. to take a little while. And I think this non-conference schedule, I even said it before the season, if this team could find a way to even just go at like around 500, a 500 record in the non-conference, especially against the ranked teams, they should still host a regional if they can take care of business in conference. And, um, and, and more than likely host a super. Right. And you look at the game like against Coastal, and yes, they lost on Friday, but look how they responded the next two games. Absolutely. I mean, they, Outscored they, Coastal 15-2 to two in the next two games. Yeah. So I'm not really worried about that as much. Now, I wouldn't like to lose that many more conference games. I don't think we can afford to. We can never no. afford to lose conference games if you want to host or you want want to achieve what you want to achieve. But at the same time, one thing that I've seen is this team's been weathered against good competition as well. Even in the losses against a Texas or even in the loss against Oklahoma State, they were like one nothing scores or 2-1 to one or just close games. Right. Uh, outside of that one loss to Florida where they got shut out, um, mo- even those losses were close losses. It wasn't like uh, the game was over in the second inning. And so they've been competitive in every game outside of that floor, that first Florida yeah, loss. First and first, Florida game. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they, they've done a great job uh, weathering the storm in this schedule. And it, it's still, they still have Florida State. They still have Alabama, up, Alabama. up ahead um, and then conference. And I think – after last year, when they went undefeated in conference, um, of course, that's going to spoil the fans because we're used to dominating the conference the way we do. But not to mention, dude, you look at um, you look at the way that they not only dominate the conference, but at the same time, even with the undefeated record in conference last year, because their non-conference was so weak, they, they still had to go on the road. Reason. They had to go on the road. So, I, I mean – I'm willing to sacrifice a few losses. And as, as Coach Robichaud would say, Ellis for learn. So they're going to learn from some of these losses. And you still are able to respond by beating top 10 teams. Well, now you've put yourself in a better position to not only not only go to a regional or, or have a chance to go to a super, but host. I mean, and that's where we get to our next point. The RPI rankings yeah, came here, out last night. And here, Go ahead. Here's the thing with that. You still like you talked you brought up the RPI. You still have two games with Florida State, a game with Alabama, you have Louisiana Tech, Southeastern ULM. You know, you've got you've got games against good in-state opponents. And you're walking into conference 
with the number one RPI in the country. There you go. Now, with with, with the weak Sunbelt Conference, I highly doubt we're going to stay at the number one RPI. But you leave room to finish in the top eight in the RPI. You leverage. Which puts you you as an eight national seed, which if you win your regional, you host a super. Absolutely. Absolutely, and that's so what they the softball been. program, sure, they have more losses already than they did all of last season, but they are in a much better situation right now than they were last season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and again, the the it's like Coach Glasgow said last night. You know, you go to Florida, you go play Gainesville, which is a very hostile environment, and there's a, he said there's a super regional atmosphere to that. Yeah. And the, the girls found a way. To and if that was ten, a super, two out of three, we're going to OKC. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I mean, I'd rather play these type of games because here's the thing: you know, you can win and go undefeated in conference, but are you, do you really prepare to play higher level of competition right. if if your conference is weak? And let's and be then, honest, the conference as, isn't that strong. And then, as we saw last year, you go undefeated in conference, but what did it get you? Yeah. It still got you a road trip. Yep. Yep. So, like, it, I mean. It didn't, it didn't benefit at all. Correct. And that's where I feel like right now, that's why I think, you know, yeah, they lost a few games here and there. But they've also they've also been challenged and have been yeah. able to win against five top ten teams. So yeah, absolutely. I, I'll take that trade off any day. Um, yeah, you, you might stumble along the way, but uh, – I don't think it's I don't think it's time to panic. I mean, look, they're sitting at 16 and 6 right now. Um, you and I both know, it's safe to say they're going to make a run in conference. I mean, Number that's 7 in the country. Yeah, they're going to make a run in conference and and I mean, they might lose outside of the non-conference. Outside of the non-conference, they might lose one or two more games, maybe. Yeah. Um, that's that's like uh, again, I was listening to 1420 yesterday and Stevie P also interviewed and Cody also interviewed Jerry Glasgow. He said, "Look, we have a cushion of about three conference games that we can lose. Yeah. He said, but anything more than three, we're really putting ourselves in trouble. Sure. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, so so there, yeah. there's definitely there's definitely room for error, but the room for error is slim. Right. Right. It is. I mean, it always is. I mean, for the for what, what this team wants to achieve, it always it's always slim. Right. Um, but, again – Playing this non-conference schedule should should prepare them for for the conference uh, yeah, and no, being no able question. to dominate as they always do. So, very very pleased with this team as well. Um, I mean, between I mean the Summer Ellison Megan Kleist combo oh, on the on the that, circle is they are, they one are of the best in the country, hands down. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean the lineup, the girls have done a fantastic job at the plate. Girls like. You know, uh, Julie Rawls, Alyssa Dalton, Rain O'Neal, Sarah Huda, Kendall Talley, Kaylin Aldering. They're all Melissa Mayu, Taylor Roman. I mean, they're all doing a great job um, at the plate. Uh, they're all hitting. They're all fielding well. And uh, they're competitive, man. They're competitive. They're fun to watch. I've had the chance to watch a few of their games. And um, these girls are <laughs> – they're warriors, man. And um, Jerry Glasgow's done a fantastic job with this team. And 
just very excited to see what they can do moving forward because I think this team, if they, I mean, they if they catch fire at the right time, and I think they're playing well right now already. But when I'm, I'm talking, when they really catch fire, this team can be really, 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 really good and really, really, really dangerous. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that, and uh, there there's a lot of excitement in the air for the softball program tomorrow. They host a doubleheader with Sam Houston State, 4 and 6 p.m. over at Lampson Park before hosting App State this weekend. It's alumni weekend, and it's the opening. It's the first home weekend of the Sun Belt Conference for the softball program. Jerry, let's switch over to the hardwood now. Sure. Um, you know, obviously last night, plenty of, of disappointment for <laughs> the, the, men's, yeah. the men's basketball yeah. program falling to Georgia Southern, 82 to 81 in the second round of the conference tournament. But, you know, that's not the disappointing thing because to the average fan losing by one to a higher ranked team, you know, it was a hard fought game. Sure. So, so to the, to the fan that might be on the outside looking in, you know, that maybe it was just a good game and, you know, Georgia Southern caught you in, in the late seconds. But that wasn't the case because with nine minutes left in the game, Louisiana was up 16. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> we were up 16, Jerry. I know. I watched. Um, yeah, I really don't know what to say about that. Um, it was sad. Uh, sad loss. Disappointing loss. Um, I mean, that's not how you want your season to end. But – it sort of epitomizes the roller coaster ride that this team had this year from injuries to just sometimes not being inexperienced, not being able to find strides. And then you have some games where they're able to take care of business. But last night was just sort of the epitome of this year, just bad breaks and just not, not being able to get it done at times. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just, I can't explain I can't explain that, what happened last night. I mean, you're up 16. You have all the momentum. Uh, at one point in the game with nine minutes to go, the ESPN tracker had Georgia Southern with a 4% chance of winning that game. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. It just they, – they caught lightning in a bottle, and the Cajuns down the stretch couldn't get it done. Um, and, you know, had a few key turnovers here and there, a few – eh, not the – some of the some of which not the best shot selections moving, um, you know, down that stretch. And – Georgia Southern were able to make a few key three-pointers. They were able to make a few baskets uh, in, in transition, and they just they just got all the momentum. And I just don't think I, – I don't think Louisiana could respond in that way. Um, but, yeah, it was disappointing. It was sad um, to see uh, the team not be able to get it done. Um, it was disappointing, but it's I guess it's, it's how basketball is. That's March Madness uh, in a nutshell. <laughs> Yeah, and you know that you, you couldn't be farther from the truth there, but I just I don't know. I'm starting to realize that there could be shoes lying in the wind. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I just. It, the issue to me is is just uh, there's a little bit of concern with what's going on as a whole with the program right now with the fact that, yes, with injuries, but, you know, unfortunately the team finished with a losing season 
or a losing record. So to the ordinary fan, they're going to see the record. And they're going to see that, I mean, they're just going to look at it and say, well, I mean, what's in it for us as a fan if we're, we're losing games? Right. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I don't wish any ill will on anyone. Um, I like one thing I'll compliment this team on is that even with all of the adversity, they still fought hard. They, they still never quit. Competed. They never quit. Um, they they won some games down the stretch that, I mean, no telling what would have happened with a full roster, but they, they got the job done. Um, at the same time, they lost a few games. And even with the injury bug, some of those games they lost that I saw weren't because of injuries. Right. So I'm just kind of at a – it's kind of one of those situations where you, you just – you look at the program as a whole and you wonder, you know, what what what, what happens from here, um, you know. And I think going into next year, they're going to have some talent. They're going to have guys that, um, that got some experience like Malik Wilson, Duguay, um, you know, Tyrus Smith, um, they're going to have guys that got some significant amount of playtime this year that I think next year, if they come back, um, will will be able to, to do some good things. Then you get Kobe Julian back, which hopefully he's 100%. It's unfortunate for him because, you know, he's been injured a few times where, you know, when you, I mean, hopefully his recovery is really, really strong. Um, but right now, from what I'm seeing, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to see, um, after what had happened this year, you, you hope that, obviously you hope that there's a lot, a lot more better results, uh, both on and off the court, uh, when it comes to the health of this team. Um, but last night, I, I just, I'm sorry, you were up 16 points and you lost. I, I can't, there's nothing, I'm not trying to, I can't sugarcoat that. Um, there's no way to sugarcoat it. No, I can't, I can't sugarcoat that. It's look, you're up 16 points with nine minutes to go. And, and and you had four guys scoring double figures. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two of them with 20 plus. I agree. And Russell had 23 and Johnson had 21. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, I, I've talked to people and fans and, and friends of, of um, you know, around town. And a lot of people just can't figure it out. They're just like, what's going on, you know? Um, and I think right now what we're seeing is you're seeing the result of injuries. But also you're seeing the result of a little bit of inexperience. You're also seeing the result of, in my opinion, I think some of it has to do I've noticed there have been a few games that the team has lost down the stretch with sometimes just poor decisions, Um, poor shot selection. I mean, the game against two losses, uh, one against Little Rock the first time when the team was up 14 and lost the game at home, and the game against Monroe, up in Monroe, uh, we we lost because we couldn't counter the big men. Well, why? Why can't you counter the big guys? that, <laughs> I mean, we have big guys on our team, you know, right. uh, little things like that. So at this off season, I know the coaching staff, they're going to, they're going to be scrambling to go find a big man. And I think, I think the recruits coming in this year are crucial. 
uh, if this team wants to make a run next year. Because, look, two years ago, the team won a conference championship, went to the NIT, 27-7 and record, fantastic. Since then, last year, the team, I think, went like 19-13 and or 19-14. and But at the same time, they finished fifth in the conference and then had a first-round exit to an eight-seeded South Alabama team. This year, uh, they had quite a few injuries down the stretch. But in this past month, to me, this past month, even without a, a Kobe Julian, the team was good enough to really compete, and it showed. They won a few key games, but then they lost a few games that they should have won. So it's it's a catch-22, hindsight's 20-20, or I think it's a 50-50 thing where on one half you're like, well, you know, the team fought a lot of adversity, and I'll give the players that, man. They fought hard. But then at the same time, it's like, well, where do we go from here? Right. You know? Can this team make a run next year? I don't know. But if this team finishes fifth, <laughs> with even if they go like 17 and 13 and, and finish fifth, but then can't go beyond the first or second round of the conference make, tournament. Make a first round exit, right. That's the fans are not just the fans are going to get impatient. They are. They are. Some of them already are. Yeah. Um, I think the fans are already there. I think it's at that point. And, and I think next year, next year to me is very crucial. Very, yeah. very crucial because the reality is, is that a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fans that are, that are basketball loyalists to the core. They go to every game. They're diehards. Hey, kudos to them. Then there's another half. That's like, I just, it's the same old story. So yep, I, just don't I care. think, 2020-2021 Raging Cajun men's basketball is going to be very, it's going to be a very crucial season next year to see where what direction this program goes after that. Um, like I said, I have no ill will towards anybody. I love I love the coaches. They put their they put a lot of time into this program, but at the same time, we're in the business of results. And yep. you know, it this is not one of my one of my good friends has always said it. This is this is an investment, not a charity. So I trust. Um, you know, we have a great athletic director. We have great administrators. Um, you know, I think everybody's going to sit back and analyze this season with the injuries and with the issues um, on and off on on the court with these guys not being able to play. At the same time, um, you got to look at the program as a whole and say, okay, uh, obviously this year some tough circumstances. Now moving forward, where do we go? Are we going to settle for? fourth or fifth place and early conference tournament exit, or are we going to put a product on the court that the fans will enjoy and we can go out there and, and compete for a conference championship and one day get on, get on an NCAA tournament bracket. So yeah. um, that's the reality. I think next year to me, and I'm, I'm, I think it's crucial to make the postseason, regardless of if it's the NIT or, or the NCAA, you got to make the postseason. I, I just, I don't think there's any other option at this point. Now, granted, I'm just a fan. So, and some people may say I'm irrational about it, but the reality is it's, 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 it's true. That's where oh, a lot yeah, of fans it, stand. It, it's time. Yeah. And I hope they do. They got a, a bunch of great kids on that team. Uh, they got some young talent. I mean, Malik Wilson, freshman of the year. I mean, conference freshman of the year. Congratulations to Malik. Fantastic player. You know, I think a guy like him, he's going to put the team on his back next season. Um, Guys like Duguay, you really saw him evolve as time went on. Yeah. Um, you know, Cedric we're going to miss Russell's guys. Back one more year. Who's that? Cedric Russell. Cedric Russell. Oh, Cedric Russell down the stretch just killed it, man. It yeah, was he, so cool seeing him 
played his potential. I think the last three or four games he's played has been what we've been waiting for since he's been here. Um, so having him back is going to be crucial. Um, Jalen Johnson coming back. Jalen Johnson, I mean, he's another one that I think is going to have a great year next season. And again, Kobe Julian comes back. Hopefully he doesn't get, you know, he's, he stays healthy, doesn't get hurt again. I, I mean, it's, I hope, I hope he's a hundred percent coming back and ha- and good luck to his recovery. And then of course you've got guys like Lowry. Um, yep. Cadwell. Was, yeah. Uh, Cadwell and, and guys that would be good bench players. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but I think next year is going to be very, very crucial. Men finished 14 and 19, eight and 12 in the Sunbelt conference. Now, Jerry women's, basketball hosting Georgia Southern tonight in the Cajun Dome in the first round of the Sunbelt tournament. Now, you know, the women last year only won seven games. It was a, it was a struggle of a season last year. But this year, the the turnaround that Gary Broadhead has put together, they're 17 and 12 and hosting a first and second round game in the conference. It's impressive. Um, it was nice to see them kind of get a, a complete 180 from last season. It's nice to see them compete the way they have. Uh, some games they've dropped. You're kind of like, what the heck's going on? So they've had their ups and downs, but overall they've it's they've been well improved to say the least. Um, and for them to be able to host a tournament game, Sunbelt tournament game, is a step in the right direction. Um, I'm kind of curious to see how far they go. Um, they have. They have a they have a bunch of guards on that team that are very physical and they're very they're very athletic. I'm hoping that they can find they can find lightning in a bottle at the right time, especially now um, going into the tournament. And they've they've shown that they're capable of competing with with anyone in the conference. Um, so, you know, starting tonight, big game against Georgia Southern in the Cajun Dome, um, first round, and they win that game. They they move on to Wednesday. Uh, so keeping our fingers crossed for that, and then hopefully they can get the job done and get far enough to get to New Orleans and have a shot at going dancing for the first time since 2007. So uh, best of luck to Coach Broadhead and his girls. Um, hopefully they can they can uh, bring home a conference championship and a chance to go dancing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if they win tonight, obviously they'll host the second-round game tomorrow back in the Cajun Dome. So there's a lot going on. Women's basketball tonight, baseball tonight in Lake Charles, softball tomorrow at Lampson, and if basketball wins tonight, they'll be playing in the Cajun Dome tomorrow as well. Plenty going on during the week before the weekend. Jerry, appreciate you joining me as always, and uh, we'll we'll talk next week after after this big week of Louisiana athletics. Yeah, man, for sure. It's my pleasure, and. Um... It's been a pleasure talking to you outside of my little name botch, if you will. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I'm going to totally catch that when I listen again. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm again to Brandon Young. I apologize. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, it, it's been fun, uh, Matt. And also to uh, to our fans, like I've always said, continue to support these teams. They, they work very hard. Um, continue to donate to RCAF. Spread the word of Raging Cajun Athletics to anybody you talk to, wear your Raging Cajun gear, wear red, um, and uh, try to get that name out. Try to tell the world the importance of Raging Cajuns and what, what we mean to, to athletics and to, and show off our culture as well. Um, but, yeah, also, uh, Matt, I want to announce that we will 
we're looking to have some guests coming on in the next few weeks. I've been able to reach out to a few people. Um, you know, we, we want to continue to have people on and give us their perspective, whether it's fans or administrators. Um, with everything going on right now, busy schedules, especially, uh, you know, whether it's work or uh, with, especially with Raging Cajun Athletics, um, sometimes schedules can be a little tight. But uh, we're, we're, we're working diligently to bring you the best uh, coverage and the best content we can um, so you can enjoy listening to us and, and listening to the perspective of, of the fan uh, with Raging Cajun Athletics. So um, got some stuff down the pipeline. Just want to let you guys know. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Matt, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, as always. And uh, talk down. I'll, I'll see you next week, but I'll see you this weekend as well for, for baseball. But uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, absolutely. That's it for the very first episode of Rage and Review. You can find us on social media, and you can find the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Until then, we will talk to you guys next week. Go Cajuns!